Welcome home radio podcast. Are you looking to buy or sell your home? Our team is here with answers to guide you through the buying and selling process. We encourage you to ask questions. Please comment on this show or visit us at welcomehomeradio.net for more information. Bringing real estate, lending, and education together in one place and to help you make the right home decision for you and your family. Here are your hosts, Blair Thomas, Tom Holm, Alan Pace, and Jeff Duffy. Hey, welcome to Welcome Home Radio. It is January 25th. Again, Happy New Year to you, and I hope those resolutions are going well for everyone. I last saw that 88% fail on that, and we here at WelcomeHomeRadio.net do not want you to fail on your hope of buying a home or upgrading or downsizing. We want to answer all your questions in this rate-conscious world that we're in, and due to that, we want to have a wonderful update from our credit expert, Nathan Biller with White & Jacobs. He's here today to discuss what are the nuances of credit, what are the ups and downs, what are some of the positive things that if you were hurting on credit may change or may have impacted you differently now. So I want to welcome on Tom, Alan, Jeff. Hey guys, welcome back. Hope everybody's well. And, And Nathan, I just want to say thank you for taking time today. Thank you guys so much. I'm glad to be back on here. It's great to be able to share. Yes. Um, Nathan, with the new year here, it, we're in the middle of it. We are going strong. Things have changed in the credit world. Give us a back a little bit more about what those changes that took place for our listeners so they understand those and, and then some of the nuances that you wanted to bring to bring to light. Yeah, so, you know, there's been some changes that were enacted last year that are just now um, taking effect um, as far as credit goes. Um, those are related to different types of accounts specifically. So, you know, if the listeners um, kind of have a general understanding, um, there are now, as of basically the middle of this month, which is next week, there is no longer going to be any um, less than $500 medical collections on credit reports. Uh, previous uh, time that we spoke, uh, it was mid 2023, and they've um, announced that that's going to take place mid January. So, moving forward, when you're looking at credit reports, you will not see any unpaid medical collections under $500. Now, and in turn, that won't affect somebody's credit score. It, only in a positive way um, should it affect their credit score, as those things are automatically removed. Right. So it doesn't matter what FICO 2004 or, FICO, you know, any of the other pulls, it, those are not going to be seen whatsoever. Is that correct? No, all the different versions of FICO are algorithms based on the information that's listed. And so this is saying that information is not going to be listed in any not going capacity. To be there. So it won't, won't affect any of the scores. And I know, I mean, I sh- I've always struggled with ins- medical insurance because you get the billing cycles and you get you think you got all the bills and then about two weeks later, here comes another bill and your insurance says, hey, I'm not taking care of this. This is yours. It wasn't listed. And all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, it should have been insurance. It should have been taken care of. And and now the, the client, our borrower is caught in the middle and those things have been effective. But you're saying anything less than 500, is that total or per trade line? It's, it's per trade line. Um, it is still the, the the law that the collection company has to purchase 
each debt individually, um, whether that's going to be fully, um, you know, managed by the credit bureaus is another question. But you're supposed to see individual balances that are owed stay as the same balance and then be if they're transferred to a collection company, the collection company cannot report that debt if it's less than $500. What does that mean? It means several things. First of all, it means they might be less likely to purchase those smaller balance debts. And so you may have those debts reside still with the original creditor, which is the medical provider or hospital or doctor. Uh, another thing that means is that the clients are going to be um, in a position where they might not even know that those debts have gone to collections if they're not uh, checking the mail they're notified by if they're less than $500. Um, it also means that those accounts where the balances can be inflated um, by the original medical pro provider in whatever manner they feel they can get by with, that may happen more as well because they're not going to get any kind of a benefit um, on those less than $500 debts unless the uh, client pays the debt or unless they um, are able to um, bump it up so that the cost is slightly more and they can sell it then to a third party. Now, is there, isn't there also a danger that the collection group, if you've got let's say Blair Thomas, and he's got four trade lines of less than 500, can they combine those and report them that way? They are not supposed to do that. In fact, they're not even supposed to do that if these are similar debts or, or different debts with the same original creditor. Um, if they will try to do that or not, I don't know because the oversight is minimal other than the kind of things that we do because the credit bureaus typically um, are just trying to increase the amount of uh, accounts that they can report. So they're not necessarily incentivized to litigate in the way that they should. But um, I would not be surprised if you were you see uh, somewhat some kind of bundling or some kind of additional charges added on for interest or fees or what have you. To make sure it goes over 500, blah, blah, blah. Right. How would a client know this looking at this on the credit report? Yeah, so if you are to see something on the credit report, that means if it's a medical debt that it would have to then show greater than 500. And a lot of times when a client sees something like that, they believe that the amount um, is well above what they would have anticipated. And so that's where basically the whole audit or dispute process comes in for us to try to get those things removed based on inaccurate reporting. Um, it may make it more easier for us to make, you know, get those things removed if there has been something done that was not by the book. Um, at the same time, the law also changed this year so that those types of accounts are not legally able to be sold from the original creditor until a year from the original um, date of the service. So it used to be six months. Now it's a year. So even if I go to a hospital and have several charges that I don't pay or insurance doesn't pay now, there's no way for me to see that on the credit report until at least a year from now. So that means I don't remember probably how much it was, what the situation was a lot of the times. Is that just kicking the can down the road or is that going to really help out the borrower? Because it seems like it will be something down the road, come back and bite them if it's uh, kicked down the road for a year. The reason that this was implemented, I think the purpose behind it is to give the 
um, client or the consumer more time to work out some kind of a payment arrangement to keep it from going to a collection status. Um, but you're exactly right. A lot of the times people are either ignoring these purposely or they don't know that the balance is, is owed or they plan on taking care of it at a certain time. And then a year later, you're going to see something on a credit report that you may have very little recollection of. And so, and of course, now the balance is going to be at least an amount that's significant. And so I'm going to have quite a lot of uh, uh, conversations with people about medical collections that are high balance that they have very little uh, recollection of. So what else has changed besides this one medical? Collection? I have a quick, I have a quick question. Yeah. Um, you said per trade line, I think Blair mentioned it. And, but just to be clear for the average person out there who doesn't really look at their credit a lot or has multiple issues with, you know, debt, is it $500 or less one time? Is it a different, you know, five different companies under 500? But if you do one company over 500, it's all different. It's supposed, I mean, if you've looked at credit reports as often as I have, you'll see quite often where there's basically the same medical provider that has multiple collections that were all purchased around the same date. Um, that could be for services that are received on a regular basis. It could be for medications that are received uh, on a regular basis, or you know, in one instance, maybe they had several things that were um, of a similar type. So the law is supposed to say any of those individual accounts should still reflect in the same manner, um, just less than 500 you won't see on the report. Now, whether they will try to take those and put them into one uh, specific amount so that it can be greater than 500, I don't know. We'll see because this is basically happening now. But I would not be surprised if they tried to do that because if you do billing at a hospital, you can only imagine the amount of money that they are expected to take in from selling these debts, especially yeah. during COVID when there was a lot of people being seen or treated without there being the necessary insurance um, documentation in place up front. So they are probably going to do what they need to do or feel like it's necessary to still maximize their revenue. And a part of that comes from selling debt to collection companies which means they may try to bundle these more so than they're supposed to. Okay. So I, just, I would guess everybody, I mean, everybody, just about everybody has some kind of doctor bill. And I guess a lot of them would be under $500. Yeah. So this will affect a lot of people, right? I mean, this is yeah, a big, big deal. A lot of people. And it's the situation where those smaller amounts that were listed on the credit report, at least in those instances, you're not being hit with five different collections. See, that was the problem is you'd have a bunch of these small collections that would influence you in a significant way because each one's reported as a new collection. That shouldn't be the case now. You either won't see those at all, or if you do see them, it should be a bigger amount, which, you know, the amount is of some impact, but it's not as bad as it would be if you had five or six collections of smaller amounts as far as the credit. This is, a, this is a big deal. And this is a really good point to get out to the public. I don't think anybody in the general public has any clue about any of this. Yeah, I totally agree. It makes it more important, especially over the next year or so, to monitor your credit report or have someone check your credit to see if these are the kind of things that are showing. Because um, so far, 
I haven't seen anything reporting that's uh, not supposed to report. That doesn't mean it won't happen. That doesn't mean you might not still see um, items that are reporting less than 500. But for the most part, that's supposed to be eradicated. And so it just makes sense to check the report as often as possible. And yes, we do encourage questions. You can find us at welcomehomeradio.net. Please find us, like us, find us on your favorite podcast at Welcome Home Radio. Um, Nathan, one of the things that has been coming down, talked about for the last four months, it's been just inundated in the media, but this educational loan forgiveness, do you have an update on where that's at? What's going on with that? How, yes. how is that moving? I was, I was waiting to ask that very question. Thank you, yeah. Brian. Things have changed slightly since we last spoke because uh, nothing is imminent now. Um, you know, the president had wanted this to be completed by now and, and the funds already dispersed. And that's just not the case because of legal challenges. Um, really, I don't anticipate this ever being something that happens or at least not in the next year. So what that means is a lot of people have misinformation or a lack of information about what they need to do with their student loans. For the time being, they extended the deferment period until at least September, which means from 2020 through at least September 2023, no one has been required to make payments on student loans um, that are federally subsidized or unsubsidized. And will that be extended again? Who knows? A lot can change between now and then. But I do know that Status quo for the last two years will continue until then, which means they're not going to be required to make payments on these accounts, which means they will just kind of be pushing it towards the future as far as those debts, because so far none of the debts have been forgiven uh, in any manner different than what was consistent with, uh, you know, prior to 2020. So, but being it's government backed, it would not be like a, a different type of loan that was, you did a firm deferment and then all of a sudden in September, if it's not extended, they go, oh, well now you got to catch up nine months worth, right? No, not only are the payments not going to be um, increased in any way, there's no interest for the full period. Um, there's not going to be any kind of a um, penalty for not making payments, but even though that's the case, there are still sizable debts now that at some point you would have to imagine will be uh, due, um, even if those are small payments. Now, they are almost certainly going to change some of the laws regarding what type of repayment uh, cons debt consolidation programs you can be approved for. And the most recent um, discussions change the amount that you'll have to pay minimum from 10% of discretionary income to 5%, um, which for most people is a pretty small amount. So they're, if they're not going to forgive at least a portion of these debts, they are gonna try to make it um, more easy for individuals to be able to afford payments. But the problem comes that if and when these are coming due, which right now would be September, a lot of people will have forgotten about them for so long that whatever communication they're receiving, whether that's email or phone call or mail, they're just ignoring it. And there will be late payments at some point for people um, that forgot they even had to take care of these debts. And late payments, of course, impact credit in a significantly negative way. So in, in times like these where, you know, it's just a different market, real estate's down a little bit, lending's down a little bit, um, you know, 
less people in the market. How does that affect your business? Um, when, you know, high inflationary costs are higher, wages might not be keeping up with that or whatever. How does your business get affected by today's market? Well, I won't brag. My business is fairly consistent regardless of the, uh, the economy and regardless of specific, um, you know, applications that come in for different markets because people either see, hey, things are not in my favor right now which means I need to take the time to work on my credit so that I can be in a position to get approved. As you know, the minimum credit scores that are being uh, accepted for a number of different applications have increased um, in, in a lot of different markets. Okay. People that could get approved at a 580 for a car loan. Now we're having difficulty getting approved at a 620 or, or in the lending uh, market, you know, you know, all the, the different intricacies that come with that. So people either say, hey, I need to get my credit scores up because I'm not getting approved as is, or it's the opposite and everything is great. Rates are low, people are buying and everybody wants to take advantage of that. So there's not gonna, don't worry about me. I'm not gonna have any difficulty finding people that need help with their credit. A lot of what I wanted to talk about today was the fact that people's credit scores are going to be significantly worse by the end of this year than they even are now because of the number of applications that are that are being accepted for new credit card accounts and the number of people that financially are not in a position to uh, uh, properly manage those accounts. Okay, let's go back over. So your forecast for 2023 is that people's credit scores are going to go lower by December 2023. Definitely. And if you look at the number of applications that are being, uh, you know, um, written and then accepted in the different markets, you can say mortgage is a market, you can say personal loans is a market, you can say credit cards is a market. The credit card applications and the acceptance rate is going up, whereas other things are going down. Now, why is that? You can speculate, but it's mostly because they're allowing people to borrow against these credit cards much more so than they probably should based on risk risk assessment. So therefore, that means people are borrowing money they can't pay back. And in a very short period of time, their credit's going to be impacted negatively. It's well, interesting they, you bring this up because I just did a blog based on living off of credit cards. And you can find that at welcomehomeradio.net under blogs. It talks about people are living off of credit cards has increased in excess of 15% year over year. The biggest jump since 2001 recession and people that are living off of credit cards because they're used to a standard. And I'm going, I'm going to lay the, the foot of blame on those checks that were given out during COVID and during all the shutdowns and during they got used to a standard of living without having to earn the money. And now they're living off of credit cards that I agree. I think credit is going to be blown up for most people if they continue to do and live off of credit cards the way they're doing it. Yeah. And the so problem we, only, is we only thought we learned our lesson as, as a society, right? Oh, yeah. We, we, we always think we learn our lesson. And the, and the credit card companies are doing that again because they either got a tax write-off or they got bailed out. So well, here, here, here's, a, here's an interesting data point that if you want to be, you know, just look at it day to day. Nebraska Furniture Mart here in North Texas had a blowout year during COVID. Why? They took those checks and went and bought the biggest TV they could 
because TV sales were out of this world, refrigerators, updated washer dryers, all of that sort of thing went on through Nebraska Furniture Mart. Where did this money come from? How did they do it? They didn't have to earn it. Therefore, they really didn't take care of it. And now that standard of living is used to, and we're seeing it from January 2021 all the way through, well, ultimately October of 2022, it has blown up. I mean, it's grown in excess. We're, we're, we're a body of excess and we put things on credit. And I'm shocked to hear that even more credit's being given to people out there. I mean, I don't, I didn't let my kids get their own credit card until they got out of college. The dad, I just got a new credit offer. I can get $500 on this credit card and don't do it until you get out and you're paying for it yourself, not me. Well, you know, the general public's getting hit a lot with advertising. I think Blair, uh, um, Nathan touched on it. You know, when you see advertising, no payments for three years or, you know, no interest for three years. And, and somebody looks at themselves in the mirror and go, you know, I'll be doing better in three years. And that's my goal. And let's go ahead and get it and take care of the family now. So, you know, discipline is one thing, but it for people just on the edge trying to live their life, I can see how this happens really quick. You know, it's the advertising is phenomenal. And um, I think a lot of people get in that trap and, boy, once the credit people get a hold of you, it's hard to get out of it. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Sorry. Well, I was just making a Hurt point. My ears. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, the, the problem is that, you know, these individuals, uh, like you said, they, they may have had certain income for whatever reason that they no longer have, that they're, they're trying to get back. They're in a position where they're getting approved for things still, even though they have delinquencies or they have high balances on loans or credit cards. And so they just continue to try to take out things to manage and it just snowballs to the point where they're not gonna be able to pay back anything. And that doesn't have to mean somebody that doesn't have income. That could be somebody with decent income that's just so far over under the, the water with debt that they just can't afford to make the payments. And the problem is also, now, if you get to the point where you're not making payments on these accounts, you've either got to file bankruptcy, which has its own costs, or you've just got to just ignore individuals. And the courts are open now. They're not hesitating to um, file judgments against individuals that are not paying credit card debt. And then you've got a public record out there that you've got to deal with. So there's really not a good solution other than being aware of what's going on. Look at your credit report and try to mitigate the damage and you know, stop the bleeding in whatever way is possible. Yeah, see where car repossessions are, are climbing pretty fast. <laughs> well, it's amazing to me that in, in a job market that we have, the last number I saw, we had in excess of 4.5 million job openings, but yet we do not have, and I, I saw a statistic, 11 million able-bodied 24 to 55-year-olds have quit looking for jobs. What are they doing? Exactly. What are they doing? And and our economy is going down. I mean, inflation is going up. It's still hurting us. It costs We're not applying for more. unemployment. I'm sorry? That 11 and a half million are not a, uh, applying for unemployment. No, they're not. 
which is no, weird. they're not. It is it is very concerning living off of credit, living off of uh, whatever they are, um, however they're getting by, whether it's friends, family, or homeless, which that is growing here in in Texas. That's a pretty big one. Uh, it, it's 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 mind blowing to me, but we have to educate. We have to continue to say, and I think Nathan's trying to say this in a way. He's saying, hey, there is a way out, but you have to become responsible for those situations and be active on them. I mean, the hardest thing I went through was bankruptcy. And I'll be honest with you, the bankruptcy laws now are not what the bankruptcy laws were then. Back then, I got a clean slate. Now, you don't get a clean slate. Not with credit card companies. You may get a clean slate with your auto auto loans. You may get a home or mortgage loan clean, but student debt as well as credit card debt, there's a percentage that stays with you and you have to make promise payments. It's not a clean slate and it's hard. It's just as hard as it would be not going through bankruptcy. But uh, I think these are challenging data points that we need to make people aware of. And um, and Blair, along with that, we're finding that it, it, while when you go to sell your home, it is not, I'm going to hope I use my terminology correctly, but it is not legal for an unsecured debt to file a lien on your property, that is your homestead. But we are finding that more and more of these credit card companies, if a seller is that far behind or they're close to a judgment or some position, they're filing something on the home. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that they're going to be able to stop the closing, but you're going to have to deal with them one way or another. That's what that means. They legally are not supposed to do that, but some of them are doing it because they're getting the attention of the seller going, hey, buddy, we're still here. So keep that in mind as well. It's affecting some some people who are trying to sell their property. And I'm if, they, if they've converted, I'm sorry, if they've converted the house to a rental property, though, then it is actually a valid lien has to be paid, right? Correct. Right. The key is your homestead. So they can't claim it's my homestead, especially if they're living somewhere else in right. another address. I've had this happen before where the owner is saying, no, I live in the house and they're making you, you know, treat it as a homestead when the, it's transferred. And when you get that, I, let me ask this title question, since this I would think this is kind of relevant. Those people that are doing that and obviously live already live in another apartment or something like that, it's your responsibility as a title company. I'm asking this. It's your responsibility as a title company to make sure those taxes are paid beforehand because the new lender could end up in some type of after the fact situation with regards to having a non homestead homesteaded property that they financed and then they got back taxes that they're responsible for. Is that correct? That is correct. And that's part of when we run our search, you know, it's, it's only legal to claim one property as your homestead. So if you're trying to claim two, it should pop up and be able to be found. And it's like, okay, well, you've got, it's one or the other. <laughs> you get to make the choice, but you only get, you only get one. Yeah. So, but the, and also on the homestead, I want to remind our, uh, our listeners out there, that just because you moved, I mean, when you move out of that property and start living in an apartment because you anticipate selling it or you may lose it or you're behind on your payments or whatever, 
So you wanted to go ahead and take advantage and get somewhere else. And so year down the line, you've been collecting rent from somebody that's been renting that property. It has not been a homestead since you moved out because you don't have acts consistent with it being your homestead, right? That's correct. You will, you will face back taxes because if you moved out, that homestead exemption, the exemptions can be removed. Uh, and then you, you're, you're going to have to pay the, un, the unexempt amount. Perfect. And penalty and interest, right? It's very possible. Yes, absolutely. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I hate those great. words, penalty yeah. and interest. Oh, I hate that. Two bad <laughs> I, words. Guys, I got, I, I mean, I, I appreciate, and Jeff, thank you for stepping up. I had no idea credit card companies were trying that method. It's not I mean, all of them. Well, well I understand, but it, it, it need, we need to make our clients aware. Now, Nathan, I, I, before we go to the next topic, I, I want to make sure people know how to get a hold of you. We see your number there, but tell them real quickly how they can get a hold of you if necessary. Yeah, yeah where I, do you live? Uh, well, I, I'm at my home right now, so if you can figure it out from the visual. <laughs> <laughs> um, I work at White Jacobs & Associates uh, in Plano. Uh, I can be reached at my number here, 940-613-5310. That's my cell phone. Basically, I'm a communicator. You know, I work for an attorney's office that does quite a lot for individuals regarding um, removal or um, challenging of negative information on credit reports. And so I'm kind of the intermediary between the client and the attorneys um, to, to answer questions related to credit, help them build credit, but also help remove uh, inaccurate or um, negative information. And, and let me bring out. something up about this, Jeff. I'm sorry. I want to I want to make sure people understand this. I've worked with Nathan for eight years now, and I'm going to tell you there is a huge difference. The, the credit industry is not regulated. There is no certification. There is nothing out there that can prove one better than the other. So understand if the credit repair group or the person you're working with is not a law firm, I'm going to tell you. They're not worth the money you're paying them to do because there is no teeth behind what they're doing and they can be ignored. Nathan has never been brought to court. And the one time he did go to court, they won. So understand they do some amazing things. They are worth every effort to work with. If you want to increase your scores and, and in this market to do things, to get certain programs, to get the best rate that's out there, as well as the best insurance costs, you need great credit. They can help you do that. But understand, don't get caught up with an organization that is going to bill you per month, say they're doing something, we're sending letters, we're doing this, and it's just not effective because they are being ignored. And I've seen it over and over, people that have been on credit repair for three years. It's ridiculous. Nathan is able to do things in a timely manner. He works hard. And I promise you, if he sets you up on a six-month program, you'll be at the scores he says or better with your efforts. But you've got to help him. He will work with you. I'm, I want to make sure they know that, Nathan. I, I just think it's important because there is a difference in an unregulated industry who the professionals are. Yeah, that's good. Thank you, Blair. That's all true. That's exactly what I was going to say, Blair. You said it much more eloquently than I would have. But I doubt I that. Point out I, the difference of, of who Nathan works with and represents and the difference of a, so that was perfect. I'm going to put my smart glasses on now. Thank you. <laughs> Nathan, want to wrap this up real quick yeah. is 
what is the next thing coming down the pike or what changes can we expect through 2023? Yeah, there's constant conversation um, these days about possibly changing what is accepted as far as credit scores. You know, the scores that they're accepting for mortgage, for example, has been pretty consistent for years, um, decades even. And so the question is, will this change based on new models that exist? One of those models is FICO 10T, which is trended data. Now, what is trended data? Trended data means instead of just looking at a snapshot of today's credit report, they want to look at snapshots over the course of a long period of time and factor all of those into an algorithm. And so how does that affect what we do? It could affect us in a negative way because the changes that we're making maybe are not fully um, represented because there's still the traces of previous credit reports that they're factoring in. Or it could be the opposite, where there's more ability for us to make changes uh, over time to increase the credit score in a more significant way. So that's not um, imminent. It is something that's constantly being discussed. At some point, what's being accepted, whether that's a different version of FICO or a version of another scoring model like Vantage, will change. I just don't know how soon that might be. I'm glad you brought advantage up. Tom, is there any in way that you see lending firms changing over to the advantage score as opposed to FICO 2004? It's a little bit too big of a deal. I mean, you think of all your algorithms that are tied to Fannie Mae's DU and LPA and all the programming that would have to be altered in order to do that. Um, I, my personal opinion is, yeah, I don't think so. But I'm, I'm, I don't have my glasses on like you do. Your, your smart glasses. I just have the dumb glasses on. So I like your I shirt, though. Be Superman. Thank Come you. On, Tom. I, I, I think it's a newsflash here. I really do because I keep hearing about Advantage Score, which is a little bit softer than FICO 2004. I hear this trending. I don't see, and exactly for what Tom says, there's so much programming that would be required within the industry. I don't see this taking place in the near future. Uh, well, you've I got that upfront cost to do that and how much money would it save you? Probably zero. And would it have really affect, I mean, it's an unproven deal as far as if it would effectively give you Increased a better, business. Yeah, well, give you a better idea of credit worthiness of a borrower. I mean, that's what credit scores are about, is what is the credit worthiness of this borrower in relationship to the item that they're purchasing or, or using, a credit card, a car loan, a house. I mean, all those different algorithms are devised specifically for that type of borrowing when, we, when they're being used out in the industry. Well, I thought it was more along the lines of credit maturity because it's, uh, it does take in the time that you've had length of well, that's credit. That's a huge factor, absolutely. I mean, it... it, it it, to me, it's credit maturity and being able to borrow. I mean, what did we change uh, up this year? What is the one thing that kicked off immediately come January 1st? Increase loan limits to 726200 for conforming and VA. Uh, that's just a huge amount of money that people are seeing that in buying a home, they're committing to. So uh, that's just, to me, it's a dramatic difference and we need to maintain that standard of evaluation of credit. Now, 
as we understand from Nathan, medical lates are going to be dismissed. If they're less than 500, I think the collection people are going to try to bundle them in a way. I think that's going to be automatically a business success. Hey, I can do this. This guy's got, he had one surgery. He's got four different trade lines. I'll bundle them because it is one person that should pass. And, and it's over 500. I don't know if that's going to work or not. I have no idea, but we need to make people aware of that. Um, what's new else is coming, Nathan, for 2023 for the Rivers? Well, I'm sure this is something you've, you've discussed, but the, the opportunity to buy down the rate, especially when the rates are fluctuating as they do, um, just enhances the necessity to have the highest credit score possible. So even people in a pretty fairly decent position with their credit scores can benefit significantly from having a higher score when they have the opportunity to buy down an interest rate and get to a point where they feel like they're more comfortable. And for the general public, what does that mean, a buy down? Well, Blair, Blair would love to comment um, on that because he's, uh, <laughs> he's definitely spoken to it uh, on different uh, instances, but just the ability to get a lower rate by putting money um, either down up front or um, adding it to the, the cost of the loan. Tom, do you want to say anything about buy down because I'm against them? No, no, no. That Your position is the one that I would support. I just think it's a waste of money. Use that money that you're using for a buy down. All our good listeners out there, use it to pay down your loan. Use it to pay down or get a discount on the price of the property. It just makes no sense to get some type of temporary relief on an interest rate that you're paying extra money for when probably rates will come down or they will eventually. And when they do, what are you going to want to do? Refinance. And what happened with that money that you spent, you know, a year ago to get to lower rate wasted. And that makes you a. <laughs> wow. I know. Wow. Hot, hot tip moments. I, I sure feel, got quiet when you did that. I, I, <laughs> I feel I very strongly on this matter. Well, I appreciate you bringing this up because uh, twofold. One, a three-two-one or a two-one buy-down. Basically, unless you're you're not paying it, uh, somebody else is paying it for you. It is not a value because you're paying the same amount of interest that you would pay anyway up front early. And as Tom brought up. Why would you do that if you're staying long term? Buy down the rate permanently, not not buy down just temporarily or put it toward. Now, I have to announce this. I'm getting the chance to announce it because it does deal with what Tom just said. We at Cardinal have already thought about this, and we have a rate redo program that is awesome. What that means is if you buy a home in the first quarter of this year with us, your refinance lender cost is zero up to December 31st of 2024. So like title insurance, this is a rate insurance policy over the next two years. So again, if you buy a home with us, rate redo program, that means you can refinance that home anytime down the future. When we do get those better rates, we can get there. The lender cost is zero dollars for you. Wow. And you have to get approved for that too, though, right? Well, you have to get approved for that refinance, sure. Right. You have to keep your scores up, but zero. Well, you have to be on time with your payment too. Yeah, right. I just want to. I want everybody to know it. 
six months on time payments. That's it. And so the, the, the whole point of this is not only will rates change, but your credit score can significantly change in that same time period if you know what to do or how to manage it. So you can take advantage of both factors at the same time and get approved at a much better rate maybe than you would initially. Mm-hmm. Yep. Always concerned. And and Nathan, help, help me make sure I'm saying this correctly if I'm sharing this. This is how I handle mine. I have two, two key things to deal with credit. One, I freeze every one of my bureau scores. I freeze them. I don't need LifeLock. I don't need all that other jargon. I freeze my scores. Nobody can pull them without me knowing it. And I open them up when I need to do something. Two, I check my free credit report. You get one pure year, pure bureau. Per per. You get one free credit report. I get one every four months from each bureau. So I'm covered throughout the year to see any trade line that's been added or justified or whatever onto my credit report. I can see that activity. I feel very secure in saying I don't need LifeLock. I don't need anybody else monitoring it unless I run across an issue. This way I'm in control, but I understand what's on my credit. Would you agree with those steps, Nathan? And would you recommend anything different? Well, I I certainly would hope that anyone or everyone would do exactly what you do because that helps manage your own uh, uh, restraint with regards to trying to apply for new accounts. You know, if you lock that, that means you're not going to go in every couple of weeks and go apply for something because you've got to go through the process of unlocking it and then relocking it. So I definitely agree with that. As far as getting the credit report, same thing. There's no cost involved at all. There's no reason why everyone shouldn't do that on a regular basis, whether that's one every four months or whether that's all three at once. Um, The only thing I would add to that is if you're in a position where you want to see your credit report, they always can go to a lender and have them pull credit. You know, the, that inquiry in itself is not something I'm concerned with. Um, just as a one-time, hey, where am I at? Or if they come to me, I have resources to pull. You mostly just want to be aware. Obviously, somebody like you, you're very aware of where your credit stands. Most people are not. And so the first step is just become aware of what's going on. Get your head out of the the sand or take a look again after several years, figure out where you're at. And then from there, it's all going to be positive when you figure out the best way to build based on conversations with us uh, or with others that can help them. Be glad to help anybody with that. And yes, you can contact me if you choose to do that. Otherwise, please contact Nathan. Uh, Guys, any comments elsewhere? Any questions for Nathan that you want to bring up? Just one quick thing that we always talk about when you're on and Blair talks about it and I have to talk about it with clients. But, you know, when you're behind on payments, it's never good. But a more recent getting behind is worse than a you know, a month, two months ago or something. Historical. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Things will affect you for seven years, but if you're currently late, there is a much more significant impact on your credit. And it is definitely the case if that continues month to month, that that will be uh, of even more significance. So whatever is going on, you need to be aware of it and you need to figure out a plan. And that's kind of what I help people do. Also, if you get if you receive a free credit report with a score on it sometimes banks do this sometimes somebody i mean if you get a free credit report with a score that is not a free credit report that's somebody trying to market something to you a free credit report comes with no score no algorithm run 
because you, all it is is the trade lines. If there's an algorithm run, that means somebody's trying to sell you an automotive or insurance or credit card or whatever. Yeah. Credit Karma is owned by four credit card companies. That's where that why they get this credit score and why they run a revolving credit card algorithm to show you. That's not free. They're trying to sell you something. Just FYI, it's it seems silly, but it's the truth. Would you agree, Nathan? Yeah, definitely. The um, credit bureaus are in the same business too. They're marketing ways for you to view your score because they're trying to make money on the side as well. So the information that's on the report is what a credit report is. Everything else that determines score is just an algorithm that one of these companies has developed. And some of those are useful and some are not, but you've got to be in a position where you know what you're looking at. If all you're doing is looking at credit karma, you're getting a lot of misinformation. You're probably making bad decisions. The other, I, you, you just brought it up, Experian Boost. I laugh every time I see that silly cow. And I'll be honest with you, as a lender, as somebody that provides credit, if you're doing one bureau impact, it's not impacting all three. It's only one. And I look at all three. I throw out the high, throw out the low. I use the medium score. Is Experian Boost doing you something? It's only doing you something. And again, I can't imagine what because we use all three scores. You can have one at 700 and still have one at 605 and 603. We're going to use the 605 number, not, not the boosted one. Correct? Yeah, and it's also going to only help people on one bureau if they are basically in a position where they have very few accounts because what they're reporting are just very basic accounts. And so this would have to be somebody that has almost nothing on their credit report. And again, it's only impacting one of the three bureaus. So if you want to give them your bank account routing number and you want to give them all this personal information they can farm out, so be it. But it's not something I would recommend. That's what they're doing with that. Isn't it? They're farming out that information and selling it for their profit, just like our county taxes do. Right, Jeff? That's exactly right. I mean, <laughs> lenders don't no comment on the sale of your home. It's the county tax appraisal group. So, hey, it's been great having you, Nathan. Happy New Year to you. I hope it's going well. Thank you for taking time today. It was wonderful being here as always. It's good to see all of you. I appreciate it. God bless. I'm Blair Thomas. And I'm Tom Holm. I'm Alan Pace. And I'm Jeff Duffy. God bless and have a great week. Welcome home radio production provided by Lunatic Digital. Check the listing of this podcast for the links to our sponsors. And don't forget to like, share, and follow us on social media. Visit welcomehomeradio.net for more information. This was a Lunatic Digital production. Visit lunaticdigital.com for all your digital needs.